Creation is religion and evolution is science, is what we're told. But is evolution really science? This week on Creation Magazine Live, is evolution pseudoscience? The Bible's history is supported by scientific observations, and we'll tell you about it on today's podcast. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. My name is Richard Fangrad. And I'm Calvin Smith. Now, this week on Creation Magazine Live, our topic is, is evolution pseudoscience? Right. Now, the Skeptic's Dictionary contains an entry on pseudoscience that includes 10 characteristic fallacies of pseudoscientific theories. So today, we're going to see if any of these 10 criteria describe evolution. Okay. All right. Now, just to be clear, we'll apply these criteria to molecules-to-man evolution, right. not natural selection or genetic changes over time that lead to variation within a kind. Scientists observe those things. But they have nothing to do with evolution since the type of change they produce does exactly the opposite of what evolution requires. Right. Now, it's also clear that the compiler of that list had biblical creation in mind since he keeps uh, attempting to show how creation fits yeah. the definition of pseudoscience rather than science. Right. Yeah. Now, we'll freely admit, as, as we have many times, that creation isn't science. It's history. Mm -hmm. It's a true account of the history of the universe. Since science has to do with things that can be observed and tested and so on, creation is outside the realm of scientific investigation. Right. So a bit of a straw man argument there to start off. Right. Well, here's a list of the 10 criteria. Let's go through it. One, some pseudoscientific theories are based upon an authoritative text rather than observation or empirical investigation. Number two, some pseudoscientific theories explain what non-believers cannot even observe. Number three, some can't be tested because they are, in, they are consistent with every imaginable state of affairs in the empirical world. Number four, and this is very similar to num number three, uh, they're so vague and malleable that anything relevant can be shoehorned in to fit with the theory. Number five, some theories have been empirically tested and rather than being confirmed, they seem either to have been falsified or to require numerous ad hoc hypotheses to sustain them. And number six, some pseudoscientific theories rely on ancient myths and legends. Seven, some pseudoscientific theories are supported mainly by selective use of anecdotes, intuition, and examples of confirming instances. Number eight, some pseudoscientific theories confuse metaphysical claims with empirical claims. Number nine, some pseudoscientific theories contradict known scientific laws and use ad hoc hypotheses to explain their belief. And number 10, the last one, pseudoscientists claim to base their theories on empirical evidence. They may even use some scientific methods, though often their understanding of a controlled experiment is inadequate. Right. There so there's, there's the list of the 10 criteria. Uh, ironically, evolution has almost every characteristic on this list. Let, let's look at how evolution exhibits the fallacies listed by these you know, so self-proclaimed skeptics. Right. Now, by the way, today's show, like, like most of our shows, are based on articles from Creation Magazine. Creation Magazine is our flagship publication, goes out to over 100 countries all around the world. It's a fantastic faith-building resource that has helped thousands of people all around the world come to see that God's Word is accurate without twisting the text to make it say things that it, that it doesn't say. Absolutely. The magazine also shows how the latest scientific discoveries wonderfully support the Bible's account of creation. Mm -hmm and other historical details throughout scripture. Many key articles have been digitized and are now available on our website. And you can read the article that today's show is based on if you go to creation.com slash pseudoscience. 
Okay, so number one on the list uh, is that pseudoscience is based on an appeal to some authoritative text. It's an appeal to authority. Uh, never mind the evidence, just trust this great authority right. type thing. Well, in almost every debate about origins, one of the first arguments given by the evolutionists is an appeal to authority. Yes. For example, the National Academy of Sciences uh, uh, flatly asserts that while the mechanisms of evolution are still under investigation, scientists universally accept that the cosmos, our planet, and life evolved and continue to evolve. All right. So it's almost like we're supposed to respect these scientists because science has proven to be so powerful that just because you're involved in science, it suddenly makes you an authority on what happened millions of years ago. But it doesn't. Evolution, like creation, is much more about history than it is about science. And no scientist was there millions of years ago to observe or test anything. That's right. So appealing to scientists as if they have a better handle on what happened millions of years ago, uh, rather than non-scientists, just reveals a misunderstanding of the nature of the origins debate. Right. But the people who preach evolution, they, they didn't uh, you know, discover gravity or pasteurization or semiconductors. Right. They just call themselves by the same name, scientists. So they, they confuse people into thinking that, well, evolution is just like medical science that leads to curing diseases or the kind of science that's, that's advancing technology. And it's not. Right. Yeah. So the number one, so number one on the list uh, of criteria to, to describe pseudoscience certainly describes evolution. Evolution. This week, we're contemplating a list from a skeptical website yep. of, of 10 criteria of pseudoscience and seeing how many of these criteria actually fit with evolution. Yeah, you know, it, it's ironic that skeptics aren't skeptical about evolution, <laughs> isn't it? They're evolution right. believers who, who generally gloss over the massive scientific problems with evolution. Right. We're, we're the but skeptics. We're the skeptics, yeah. yeah. We're skeptical about evolution, so we have scientists and researchers investigate the claims evolution believers make, only to find that believing in evolution is actually a blind faith. Right, yeah. Uh, it takes a lot of faith to believe in evolution with so much evidence against it. Right. But let's continue with our list. Let's get back to the list here. Right. Well, number two on the list is some pseudoscientific theories explain what non-believers cannot even observe. <laughs> so does evolution fit this criteria? Okay. Well, the website of the U.S. Department of Energy admits that no one has observed evolution happen in nature right. or in the laboratory. But it explains, as for the fact that we haven't haven't made evolving life in the laboratory yet, I think that you've, you're expecting too much of your species. It's a bit <laughs> of a weird term. Uh, let's say, at first, as a first guess, it took nature, it took blind nature a billion years to make evolving life on Earth. How much faster do you want us to go? <laughs> Even if you give us an advantage of a factor of a million speed, it would still take us a thousand years to catch up. So... Uh, the answer is that it's totally unrealistic to expect to actually observe evolution, even under artificially accelerated conditions. Well, it sounds like they're saying that they believe in evolution without observing it. <laughs> it sure does. Yeah. I think it's time once again to highlight one of our favorite quotes by Richard right. Dawkins, who's yeah. professor of zoology at Oxford University, yeah. who said, evolution has been observed, it's just that it hasn't been observed while it's happening. Right. Okay, so evolution fits criteria number two. Yep. Uh, it seeks to explain what non-believers cannot even observe. Uh, actually, even evolution believers can't observe evolution. Right. Number three. Uh, 
Pseudoscientific theories can't be tested because they're consistent with every imaginable state of affairs in the empirical world. And, and let's do number four as well, so, since it's so similar. Pseudoscientific theories are so vague that anything relevant can be shoehorned in to fit. Now, does that describe evolution? Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Evolutionists are always ready with a story to explain any observed trait in living things. I mean, why do some birds, like peacocks and birds of paradise, have beautiful and elaborate tails? Well, evolutionists explain. Um, if a peacock can find food and evade predators while dragging around a bigger and more conspicuous tail than his rivals do, this demonstrates that he is a particularly strong and capable, and thus makes a better mate. So evolution selects females that prefer males with the most elaborate tails, but the same article also says it's hard to figure what possible advantage these eye-catching but burdensome appendages offer in the grim business of survival. So if peacocks had small streamlined tails, evolutionists would no doubt be explaining that, well, they're an efficient tail that gives an yeah. advantage in the struggle for survival in escaping from predators, for example. Right, yeah. Evolution is just as good at predicting things that never happened as it is at, as it is at predicting things that actually did happen. <laughs> A theory that can explain anything predicts nothing and proves nothing. So right. evolution definitely fits the characteristics of pseudoscience at points three and four. Right. So number five, some theories have been empirically tested and rather than being confirmed, they seem to have either have been falsified or to require numerous ad hoc hypotheses to explain them. Does this describe evolution? Okay, well, evolutionists are forced to admit that the fossil evidence for their theory is slim to non-existent. There's a few hand, a handful of examples. Yeah. Uh, for example, Almost all major groups of creatures appear in the fossil record with no evolutionary past. The Cambrian explosion is a good example of this. Right. One evolutionist describes it this way. Something quite bizarre happened at the end of the pre-Cambrian era. Rocks from that time show evidence of an astounding variety of multi-celled and hard-shelled life forms that seemingly appeared all at once. Scientists have long pondered the causes of this sudden appearance of new life forms known as the Cambrian explosion. Right. So the evolutionists offer an ad hoc hypothesis yep. to explain the lack of evidence. One theory is punctuated equilibrium, which says that sometimes evolution happens so fast that there are too few intermediate generations uh, to have much chance of being fossilized. Right. So we can't see evolution happening today because it goes so slowly, and we can't see uh, evidence of it in the past because it happened too quickly? The fossil record just doesn't reveal the expected transitional fossils. Right. Paleontologists know that things appear suddenly fully formed. That falsifies evolution. Mm -hmm. But if you just add enough what-if scenarios and assumptions, you can make any observation fit with evolution. So point five in the skeptics list of pseudoscience traits certainly describes evolution. Right. Okay, number six in the list is... Some pseudoscientific theories rely on ancient myths and legends. Mm -hmm. Now, this is one that, that doesn't particularly describe evolution. Right. Although evolutionary notions can be traced back long before Darwin to, for, for example, ancient pagan Greek philosophers like Empedocles, 
who lived from 490 to 430 BC, but evolution isn't really based on ancient myths. Right. The modern versions of, of evolution really became popular as a result of Charles Darwin's book, which was published in November of 1859, and uh, those that he actually plagiarized from. Yes. Uh, Darwin actually plagiarized some key ideas from creation scientists. We did a show on this last year, and yep. you can watch that on our website at creation.com slash cml5-02. All right, let's move on to number seven. Yeah. Uh, some pseudoscientific theories are supported mainly by selective use of anecdotes, intuition, and examples of confirming instances. Now, do we have evolutionary examples of that? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> evolutionists try to find animals that fit into their evolutionary tree. In, in the classic horse story, they arrange a group of animals with similar body shapes in order by size and say that it shows the evolution of the horse. Yeah. Um, but, but is this actual ancestry or, or just a contrived arrangement, except for the supposed first horse in the uh, series, which probably doesn't belong in the group at all, the fossils show the wide variation between the within the created kind is what it actually shows. Most of that variation in the horse kind is still with us today. As yeah. the biologist Herbert uh, Nielsen said, the family tree of the horse is beautiful and continuous only in the textbooks. Only in the textbooks, yeah. Uh, most of the creatures that would have had to exist if, the, if evolution were true have never been found. And some creatures that have been found don't fit into the evolutionary tree at all, like, like the platypus. What's it evolving into? <laughs> a little bit of everything, right? Uh, but evolutionists seize on a few creatures that sort of look like they might have been halfway between, uh, going back to the horse series, a badger and a horse, mm -hmm. or, or between a reptile and a bird. But, but these rare apparent fits then prove evolution as much as the occasional good guess by a, by a psychic can prove that they can read your mind type of thing. <laughs> right, so. so we can say that evolution is a, a good match for criteria number, uh, number seven. Yep. So number eight is some pseudoscientific theories confuse metaphysical claims with empirical claims. Uh, by the way, um, metaphysical refers to you know an abstract thought or subjects like uh, existence, a causality, truth. Okay, all right. So some evolutionists insist that evolution has no metaphysical implications <laughs> at all. On the uh, the Talk Origins website, uh, one evolutionist summarized his article this way: Evolution does not have moral consequences and does not make cosmic purpose impossible. Right, but others make dogmatic metaphysical applications. Yes. Uh, the American Academy for the Advancement of Science website includes a whole section on science, ethics, and religion with statements like, um, evolution is the creation myth of our age. By telling us our origins, it shapes our views on what we are. In calling it a myth, I am not saying that it is a false story. I mean that it is great symbolic power, which is independent of truth, of its truth. Is the word religion appropriate to it? This depends on the sense in which we understand that very elastic word, and I have chosen it deliberately. Okay, another example. Richard Dawkins said that Darwin made it possible to be an intellectually fulfilled atheist. Right. Now, just think about that statement for a minute. Mm. So, before Charles Darwin, why was it not possible to be an intellectually fulfilled atheist? Right. It was because the biological changes that Darwin and others saw in living things what was promoted as a creative force. Right. Now, science actually confirms the opposite, by the way. But, yeah. And then it was married to the notion of millions of years. Right. In doing so, he invented a pseudo-scientific excuse for all those who want to reject the creator God of the Bible and the accompanying submission to his laws. That's what Dawkins is referring to. Right. Self-professed uh, atheist Thomas Nagel, a professor of philosophy at uh, New York University, said this, 
I want atheism to be true, and I am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't uh, believe in God and naturally hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. Right, so um, for people like Nagel, uh, Dawkins, and other atheists who don't want there to be a God, it meant that there was a mechanism that could account for the diversity of life without the need for a creator. For creator yeah. so, so yes, evolution absolutely does make metaphysical claims, and atheism is a metaphysical claim itself. And it's not possible to be an intellectually fulfill, fulfilled atheist without believing in evolution. Yeah. Uh, among all the beliefs that are out there, it's a horrible belief. <laughs> uh, beliefs have consequences. Beliefs govern behavior. Dawkins himself said this, he said, we live in a world, in a universe, which has no design, no purpose, no evil, and no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. That's his belief. And, and that would certainly influence what he believes about right, wrong, the, the meaning of life, and so yeah. on. And the consequences of evolution applied to society have been horrendous. Yeah. Uh, we, we've done shows highlighting some of these things like communism and Nazism re resulting in about 200 million deaths in the 20th century. Right. The connections between evolution and these ideologies have been well documented. Yeah. You, you can read a, a section of articles on our website detailing this at creation.com slash communism. Yeah, I mean, it's often been stated that theistic religions have been, you know, the result yes. of, of wars, loss of life, yep. et cetera. But theistic religions account for only about 7% of all wars. And that percentage actually drops to about 3% if Islam is, is removed. But, but let's move on. Um, number nine in the list of criteria of pseudoscience is some pseudoscientific theories contradict known scientific laws and use ad hoc hypothesis to explain their belief. Hmm. Okay. Well, we did a show on that just a few weeks ago right. called The Irrational Faith of Evolution. Yeah. Uh, it was the, the first episode of this year's broadcast season. Yeah. Yes, evolution contradicts known scientific laws. Of course, because we talked about the law of biogenesis, yep. that life yep. comes only from life. Everything um, that we've uh, ever observed in science supports the lace, this basic law of biology. But evolutionists need to believe that this law was broken millions of years ago to fit their scenario. Right. But they don't see it as, a, as the huge problem that it is. They just dismiss it, as one evolutionist yeah. writes. It's only a scientific uh, law, after yeah, all. Yeah, it's only a law. And he writes, did, did Pastor prove that no life can ever come from non-living things? No, he didn't. This is because you cannot disprove something like that experimentally. Right, so the fact that all the experimental evidence of the past 200 years contradicts their theory is irrelevant because they speculated that it's well it's possible that there's some experiment that no one has you know tried yet that yeah, actually yeah. might work so so number nine on the list definitely fits with evolution okay number ten the last one pseudoscience pseudoscientists claim to base their theories on empirical evidence that they and and they may even use some scientific methods though often their understanding of a controlled experiments uh, experiment is inadequate so does this final point also describe evolution well well you know evolutionists claim that their theory is science but the national right. center for science education which is an anti-creationist lobbying group admits that there's a problem um, the failure of many students to understand and accept the fact of evolution is often a consequence 
of the naive views that they, they hold of the nature of science. According to this naive view, the key to the unique success of science at producing true knowledge is the scientific method, which mm -hmm. on the standard account involves formulating hypothesis, making predictions, and then going into the laboratory to perform the crucial experiment. In contrast, the work of many evolutionary biologists involves the reconstruction of the past. The methods that they uh, use do not conform to the standard view of the scientific method. We could say a lot of things about that quote. Wow. But yeah. so, so if you, can, if you can't actually prove your theory using the scientific method, which actually uses controlled experiments, yeah. what do you do? You simply declare that only naive people <laughs> think that the scientific method has uh, anything to do be so with, naive. with science. It, 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 well, what they call science anyways, they mean evolution. Right. But. I mean, at least they admit that it involves reconstruction of the past. Yeah, that's uh, a good admission. But, but you can't have it both ways. <laughs> Either evolution can be tested via the scientific method, then it would be a proper science, or, as is really the case in the uh, origins debate, it's about reconstructing the past, in which case you can't use the scientific method. So evolution fits uh, point number 10. Right. So out of the 10 characteristics of pseudoscience listed in the Skeptics Dictionary, yep. evolution meets nine. Few other pseudosciences like astrology or astral <laughs> projection or alien <laughs> abduction, crystal power, whatever you want, uh, would, would meet so many of those criteria. Right. Uh, I mean, that's kind of ironic. Evolutionists are constantly talking about how scientific evolution is, yes. and that creation yeah. is just a religious belief. Of course, we creationists have been pointing out for years that both of them aren't science. There's a great article summarizing some of this at creation.com slash not science. We often get emails into the website and, and so on. We'll just share one. Mm -hmm. uh, we've titled this one, Plant Breeding is Not Evolution. And someone wrote in, Recently I've come across several articles on plant evolution that report how many modern crops we consume today were once inedible grass in the past and that they were evolved through genetic mutation and artificial selection mm -hmm. to produce the edible foodstuffs. While I don't believe any of these claims support the theory of evolution, I've also seen people use these reports to attack creation because apparently the original would have been w the original world could not have been very good if man was forced to rely on these lucky mutations to obtain the staples that we need to survive. So, interesting feedback. Yeah. And I mean, the, the show today, we were talking about the fact that we're talking about evolution as, as you know, molecules to man. You know, right. we, we, we obviously right. natural selection, genetic, genetic mutation, these are real things that we observe in biology. That's but they define just, these terms. Yeah, they just don't evolve anything. So, yeah. actually, uh, Dr. Don Batten, uh, our uh, CEO, of CMI Australia, um, a PhD in uh, biology himself. He, he answered back. I'm just going to read one key uh, section here. He said, I have no problem with the concept that mankind has selected and developed various uh, food, or crop foods to make them nicer to eat or easier to cultivate, but sometimes not as nutritious or healthy, he points out. This has nothing to do with evolution, as there is no evidence that the processes involved uh, the natural addition of a new genetic information. I mean, this is the key that evolution needs. Keep new genetic again information. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, new genetic information to the species involved. Mutations are the only game in town for the evolutionist to achieve this, and they are clearly not up to the job. And he actually references a, uh, a section of our website to see mutation questions and answers on, on, our, on yeah, our website. Q&A page. Yeah. The natural process of uh, processes of mutation and natural or artificial selection, because that's what's actually referenced here is artificial yes, selection, yes. do not add new biochemical pathways to living things. 
So time and time again, this is what you see in the news media. Reports coming out, we've observed evolution in yes. action. Yes. Now what's so interesting is how can they be observing evolution in action when the show we just did referenced the National Academy of Sciences admitting that they've never seen evolution. So yeah. there's this shell yeah. game going on here where from the evolutionary camp, we're, we're hearing both things. Evolution means different different things, right? Right. When right. we say evolution, we mean molecules to man. When they mean evolution, they some, it's synonymous with, with uh, right. natural selection in some yeah. cases. We'll see you next week on Creation Magazine Live. Both the Creation Magazine Live TV show and this podcast are produced by Creation Ministries International, a global think tank organization dedicated to disseminating the huge amount of scientific evidence for the accuracy of the biblical account of the origin of our universe. If you'd like to donate to keep this information coming, go to creation.com donate. And thanks for listening.